Hi, this is Juniper Rook on 88.9 KPOV Bend, High Desert Community Radio. This is Youth Radio Hour, and I'm here today with Bruce just to kind of talk about the recent shooting in Bend and kind of just where our heads are at and how it feels as a young person living in the Bend area and as someone who has been advocating for gun control for about four years. Yeah, and uh, this is Bruce. We're pre-recording this today. Juniper is not going to be able to be here uh, during our four o'clock youth radio hour, but we really wanted to uh, talk to her and get her views and information, as she mentioned, as someone who's been an activist on this issue for a long time, since she was 12 years old. So Juniper's going to take the lead. I'll throw in with some questions and maybe a few comments here and there. Thank you so much for listening to KPOV's Youth Radio Hour. Thank you so much, Bruce. Um, I feel like before we really dive into actually what happened recently in Bend, I kind of just want to talk a little bit more about what has happened for me personally since that shooting happened. I was in Bend that day. I was not in that area, but I had no idea what had happened until probably the next day. And uh, that was the day before I started school. So I was on my way to school. You know, I knew it was going on. And it's kind of like I've kind of said this before in the past, but you can't really think about something like that unless you want to be in this kind of state of anxiety for the entire day. I have to go to school either way. There's no choice. I have to be there. And I just I remember being in the car and I was like, okay, like we're not going to think about this. Like this isn't something that I can start my day with thought wise. And then I always get breakfast with my grandfather on my first day of school. And he like briefly brought it up and I was kind of just like, I don't want to talk about this because I mean, it's something I've been talking about for months. And even now it's somehow harder to talk about knowing that it's so close to home and it's almost more enraging because I've been talking about this for months and I've been saying like this means nothing to the people who are pro Second Amendment until their family, their community are in the line of fire. This is something that has been brewing for a long time in Bend. There is no way that we've had the culture of gun toting people in Bend and the Trump rallies and the Proud Boys coming here. This has been brewing in Bend because we are allowing it to brew in Bend. And it's scary, like, seeing it all play out slowly and then seeing it actually finally happen and knowing that every single Instagram post I see is going to be gone in, like, two days. I don't predict that people will keep talking about this past this week. And that's what makes it even scarier because every time we forget about it, it happens again. And it's kind of just, I'm at this point now where it's like, I don't, I'm tired of being the only person talking about it. So Juniper, uh, from my standpoint, I, uh, I I feel in part responsible, right, as as uh, uh, you know, a member of this community, that this is not a conversation we've kept going, even even just since the Uvalde shootings in May. You know, we've you, you Juniper, you've been on the air with uh, Brandy from Moms Demand Action, with with your friend Piper from uh, Redmond IPA and um, RPA. And we talk about it, and we have good intentions, and then we don't talk about it again. And then there's another shooting, and here we are. Yeah. And so, I, I and I know talking isn't action, but talking builds awareness. And so for me, from my standpoint, as someone who runs an organization that talks about things, we need to be doing more of it here. We need to be doing more of it everywhere. So uh, thank you for that introduction. And um, anything else? Um, I feel like... Another quick thing that I kind of wanted to bring up, I, as I said, started school um, yesterday. It was my first day, Tuesday. And every year we do this, like, safety training, and it's like a super stupid long slideshow, and it talks about lockdowns and earthquakes. And 
every single year we have the exact same video of these children acting out a school shooting and what they would do if there was a school shooting, getting under your desk, you know, locking the door. And this year we didn't do it. And I don't know why we didn't do it. And I don't know how to feel about it because I'm like, okay, maybe they're kind of realizing that like there's, it's not a student's job. A student should never have to experience that. But also like there has been no change. There is no reason that we are any farther away from another school shooting. Like, I mean, I know that recently the Remen School Board, I've talked about this a lot, but they denied policy KGGB and it is like you can bring a gun on a school campus. And I didn't know how to feel about that because I was like, oh, like I do hate this training, but like we have new freshmen. Are they going to know what to do? Did only the freshmen do it? Are the juniors not doing it? And I was almost like, oh, like maybe they're changing the curriculum because I remember every single year, the very, very last few slides are about like a zombie apocalypse. I'm not kidding. This is I'm being serious. It's I don't even remember what it's called, but I know that every single year it ends with like a zombie apocalypse and I can never tell if it's like a funny joke or like it's serious, but every single time it makes me enraged because I mean, yeah, maybe a zombie apocalypse will happen, but like there is like a mass shooting almost every single day in America. <laughs> it's not really cool to like talk about safety training surrounding gun violence and then jump into a zombie apocalypse in front of kids who just had to watch a video of kids their age acting out a school shooting so yeah that was kind of my last little piece from school well uh, so to me the the zombie apocalypse yeah it could be making light of the situation which i'm not sure is appropriate but also the thought to me that it's almost as if something's not serious enough unless it's at the level of a zombie ap- apocalypse. Yeah. And not thinking about, as you said, there's these shootings literally every day. Yeah. With with two or three or four or five people killed and maybe a few more injured. And that we, we're to the point where we're calloused enough that we don't think of that as a really bad situation. And it is, and it adds up. And yes. maybe if you if you look at all of the shootings, you go back ten years and all of the mass shootings. I mean, suddenly you have something that resembles a zombie apocalypse. Yep. But but of real people who are actually who have actually been shot and are no longer alive. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I don't know. It's like I, I mean, maybe a few years ago, before I was like really, you know understanding what was going on I might have been like oh haha but like now I'm like I don't want to watch this is the dumbest slideshow ever I'm gonna be so for real it is so stupid and I'm tired of watching it I have to sit in class and watch a video of people my age acting out of school shooting and then listen to a stupid slideshow for it's at least like an hour and a half long but then like people who have the power to make it so I never have to think about being shot in a classroom again are representatives the people on the Redmond uh, school board like these people have the power to do something about it and they're not doing anything I have to sit and watch a stupid slideshow but all these people just get to sit there and like deny policies that keep me safe I should never no child should ever have to go to school like first day high school or freshman excited and have to watch a slideshow about like people around them dying and what they should do all right so Juniper do you want to go back um to because the first time you and I met, we actually didn't meet in person. We met over the telephone, uh, but we were both in this studio in, in a certain way. In, yes. in this recording studio, I was recording a, an interview with Juniper uh, back in was that twenty eighteen twenty eighteen. And so, um, do you want to talk about that? Because I think that's really important. 
uh, to where we are today. Yeah. Um, I remember it was after the Stoneman Douglas shooting and I was super young and I remember just like seeing it happen and like telling someone like, I want to do something about this. And I remember like my mom emailing every single publication she could find and the KPOV was the only people who'd give me airtime. No one else would because they're like, oh, it's this young little girl. Like, what is she going to say? And then I remember I was at school when the interview was aired. And I remember um, my mom's girlfriend sending our and family group that this long video. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, like Juniper's on the radio. And then but like looking back at it now, like I shouldn't have had to do that first off. And I also remember like it was almost like a warning. I remember being like, oh, like this happened in the Stoneman Douglas High School, this can happen in our high school. And I was like, this can happen in our community. Even Brandy, every time I talk to her about it, she's always like, it's not something that's on your mind until it happens in your community. And now that it has happened in our community, how do we move forward in the sense of change? You said Brandy. Can you tell us who Brandy is? Brandy Steelhammer of Moms Demand Action. Okay. Sorry. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so Brandy Steelhammer and I, um, we communicate a lot about it. And I feel like we both really agree that like, Obviously, gun violence is one of the biggest issues, in my opinion, in America in the sense of, like, preventability. Like, we can easily prevent this. It's preventable. Like, it is actively something that we can stop. And I know that, like, I had always thought about it happening here even when I was 12. I remember thinking, like, what if it happens here? Like, who knows? But, like, now that it has happened here, I don't know how to feel. And I know that, like, looking back now, like, 12-year-old me... I don't know how she would feel. Would she be like, oh, told you so? Or would she be like, scared? Like, I don't know what would even be going through my head if I knew that that had happened like my past self would. And so back then, back in 2018, it wasn't just an interview with KPOV that you were doing, right? You were doing the interview to create uh, uh, awareness for... A walkout. So, yeah, when I was 12, I planned a walkout um, from my RPA middle school, Bremen Proficiency Academy, and we walked from our campus to Fairhaven Park, and it was about 40 kids. It was was in um, solidarity with a lot of other walkouts that were happening around the area, and just kind of, I think it was a national thing planned by March for Our Lives. And it was like my first big thing. It was my first planned thing that I did mostly by myself. And I remember we sent letters about bills and all my friends were there and helping. And it was like, it almost like brought us together in a sense. Cause it was like, after the shooting happened, there was no real conversation about it at school. I remember like not really anything really being talked about, but I feel like the walkout almost like brought us all together in the sense of like we have each other's backs and we're all here for each other and it was almost like the start of me knowing that like this needs to be changed and I also remember the feeling of like oh this happened but what's going to happen next and as we know nothing happened next just the next school shooting so it was almost like the start because it was the first time I realized that if I don't say anything most likely no one else is going to yeah so I just want to kind of underline for our community listening in that we're talking about Juniper at 12, recognizing the enormity of this problem and stepping up to organize herself a walkout in her school and then taking the initiative to get media coverage for it, which we're very proud to say we were willing to, <laughs> we were willing to do and excited yes. to do. Uh, and so, and I mean, to me, that that reflects a lot of things. I mean, it reflects how remarkable you are, Juniper. And I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stay with that. But also, to me, the urgency of the problem. Yeah. You know that that you know because you're right. You shouldn't have had to do that. I didn't have to do that when I was 12. Yeah. Right. And um 
and and no twelve year old in any society in anywhere should have to organize a march to keep to stop school school shootings or mass shootings in general. But you did, and that and that's enormously enormously to your credit. But I'm wondering at this point now, um, can we move forward? Because I know we we did another interview, yeah, <laughs> um, in uh, r- more recently this year, yeah. early this year. And I'm sorry, it just for my uh, my my senior brain to a certain extent. Because there have been a lot of shootings this year. Yes. And what I can't remember is whether that first interview we did was in response to a shooting. Yes. Okay. And, and which one was that? Uh, the Stoneman Douglas shooting. I'm pretty uh, no, sure. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, this year. This year. Fast forward to 20, um, 2022. The Michigan shooting. What did you do that time? So that time, it actually was not my idea to plan this walkout, but I had spoken to Isabel about how I kind of had some experience in that area. I mean, I had planned something when I was younger. It had been a few years, but I still had relatively close connections with like my family and like who they knew. And so I was like, I think that we can do this and we can pull it off. And so I was kind of like, Isabel's the idea person. And then I was the, I've done this before, like I can help you person. And we kind of just band together our entire soccer group. We had a walkout. I think it was January 19th or the 22nd. It was one or the other. And we walked out and it went really well. It was really nerve wracking because uh, last time it wasn't in as public of a space. We walked from our high school, which is on Glacier Avenue, to Centennial Park. So it was a lot more like open and public than it was last time. So we ended up walking there and it was really awesome i feel like the best part about it was not just the fact that like there were kids walking out but the fact that the school almost fueled it i remember that morning i received an email from our i think he's our director i don't know like the owner or something um john bullock he had sent out his, and he had sent out an email talking about how walking out was an act of like civil disobedience and it was almost comical to hear a grown man say that it was like act of civil disobedience while also contributing to the problem by not giving his students a space to grieve and mourn and not giving us resources and like letting us know that we're going to be safe, like having more um, like security presence on campus. Like he did nothing. And then he told us that if we walked out, it would be an act of civil disobedience and we would, we would face a consequence. So I feel like getting that email in the morning was like, Oh yeah, like we're definitely doing this. And like, I'm definitely going to make sure that he knows that this is something that he can prevent himself. And it was just, it was a really amazing experience. Not only was it like the day was amazing, like being able to have so much support there and having people listen to me and being on the news and having articles written and getting the attention to the problem weeks after it happened because we purposefully did it a few weeks after because we wanted to keep the conversation going. But I met and made so many connections with like the Redmond Police Department, Clifford Evelyn on the Redmond City Council. I had found truly because like the first time it was really alone and then the next time I found that in my community there are so many people who are also fighting for a safer community just like I am all right and so we so we did that here on KPLV and uh and once again we were the only initially the only organization that responded to you right for media uh which hopefully that's issue problem has been resolved (laughs) and people are responding to you now which is great I'm, I'm glad to hear that Okay, so we did that, and we did another interview in March that yes. we just did a general interview about you and your, your work. Yeah. And then, not that long after, no. we had the Buffalo shooting and the Uvalde shooting back-to-back. We did another interview. With, with Brandy Steelhammer. Brandy Steelhammer. Yeah. And, and, and I'm talking about it like this because it's, 
we're we're building this, you know, shooting, 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 interview, interview, and I and I think they're powerful. And we ended up doing the conversation with you and Brandy twice. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it, we did it on youth. We did it on a on a special airing, and I forgot to tape it, so I'm, I'm admitting to that. But but Juniper and Brandy were were gracious and also so interested in talking about the issue that they did it again on yeah. uh, Shanti's show at one o'clock, uh, Curiosity Lab, and that's on our website now. And I mean, I guess, how did it feel at that point talking about this, this issue again? I mean, it's not funny, but I do have a very deep portfolio of interviews about gun control on KPOV. Pretty experienced now, but um, it feels really weird because it's almost like I even said this when I talked to Brandy, talked with Brandy on KPOV in March. I remember telling kind of like during the interview, I had said like, it's really hard being uh a youth activist, especially surrounding gun control, because it's like, I mean, even when Bruce texted me after the shooting, it was like, we have to hop on this right now while people are still talking about it and people are still giving it attention because obviously we've seen it like keeps happening, but like people tend to forget about it every single time it happens. And I remember preaching this in January. I preached this when I was 12. We forget about it and we don't think about it and it happens again. So it's almost like it's, awesome to have the platform that KPOV gives me, but it's almost like I shouldn't need this platform to talk about gun control so often. I mean, I obviously try to come in as weekly as possible, but it's like I should not have to come on so often to talk about it because adults above me can't get it together and create some change. Obviously, it's a pleasure to speak about it and have this platform, but I mean in the sense of like, I'm tired of having to talk about it in the sense of mourning and like grieving. I want to have a kind of conversation with Bruce where I'm like, I'm so happy that like this has been passed and this is changing and there's more of this and less of this, but I can't because no one is getting up and doing anything. So it's kind of like thankful to have the platform, but also sad that I have to use it for gun control over and over and over again. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you on to talk about all <laughs> yeah. kinds of other issues that are relevant <laughs> yeah. to high school juniors, right, and and to yeah. our community. Um, and um, so one of the things I've sensed from you in this conversation at Juniper is this idea of the uh, adults, the the people who like, are in charge of our community, at least you know, in the schools, are providing you uh, lessons on what to do if there is a shooting while not taking action to make sure there's not. Yeah, there's like really, I mean, every single year we do the exact same like slideshow, but there's like never really any action from like the school boards, the city council, even like in our school. I mean, I, f- I don't think I've ever even been offered counseling after a school shooting in my school. Like even after the Ben shooting, there was no counseling offered at my school. And even though like me personally, I don't think I need it. I think that me as a person, I was really sad. I was heartbroken, but I want action. I'm mad. I'm tired of like shedding tears and I'm ready to put pressure on the people above me to like do something about it. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. I'm tired of, I feel like it's weird because my job is to be a high school student. My job is to play basketball, play soccer, be a child, but their job is literally to protect schools and make schools safe and they can't even do it. They're literally choosing to not do it and they're making me do it not like literally like oh you have to do it but if no one else is going to do it then I'm going to do it I'm going to make sure that you feel the pressure I'm going to send the mean emails I'm going to show up to your meetings and speak to you tell you in your face how I feel 
but I shouldn't have to because I shouldn't have to tell you why school shootings are bad and why you should do something about it. It shows character in the sense of like, you're making me watch these slideshows while you're doing nothing. And it's still in my brain every single day. But you're the kind of person where you can overlook it over and over and over again. Just in case you're wondering, folks, you are hearing the animating spirit of a powerful <laughs> advocate and activist. I just want to want to point that out. I want to make one comment. When you talked about the someone said that uh, you were engaging in an act of civil disobedience. Yes. Which, when you said that, I initially thought that was a person complimenting you. No. And I, I recognized <laughs> that as you went on, because acts of civil disobedience were the acts of Mahatma Gandhi. Yep. Right. And acts of civil disobedience were the acts of, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Those are the things that make fundamental shifts in the world. I know you know that. And she's Juniper's <laughs> nodding up and down like, come on, old man, stop explaining <laughs> this stuff to me. So my next question then is what from your perspective right, would be the best things that um, our communities, our school districts, our cities, our governments, even just our people, I suppose, can do? I think that honestly... Me personally, I don't think that anyone should own a gun, but I think it's above that. I think that having enough love and respect for your neighbors and the people surrounding you to protect them and make sure that they're okay and that we aren't even giving someone the opportunity or the weapons needed to shoot up a school is just so important. And not just that, but I feel like if we're going to talk about school shootings in schools, it shouldn't be about what to do if it happens. It should be about... I know that this isn't okay. I know that you have to experience this as a child, but like we're here for you. Here's resources. Here's people you can talk to about it if you're having a hard day. Here's people that are going to share this experience with you and be there for you. I don't think that anyone other than maybe Liz Goodrich on the Redmond City uh, Redmond School Board has ever shown me that they care about gun violence enough to reach out to me for a conversation. Or even just tell me, like, I appreciate the work you're doing. Because at this point, we don't have people in power, like Redmond City Council, Redmond School Board, that are actually having the best interest in their hearts. Like, I know that that's, like, honestly bad to say. That's how I feel. I think that after everything that has gone on between me and the Redmond City Council and having to send mean emails and be in their meetings, I don't think that they are truly striving for what's best for Redmond. I don't know a lot about the Ben City Council, but I don't think that people other than Clifford Evelyn, I've seen him actively strive. Like every day he's doing something, trying to connect with the community, but no one else on that city council has really shown me that they are the same way. And I think that on a smaller scale, giving support to kids in schools, but on a bigger scale, like locally, community-wise, we need to make sure that we're paying attention in the elections coming up and that we are pushing for people to be in those seats that the Redmond City Council has right now that they aren't respecting and make sure that the people who take them next are people who are going to truly strive for safer schools and safer communities. You're listening to 88.9 KPOV High Desert Community Radio. This is Youth Radio Hour, a conversation with Juniper Rook, our Youth Radio Hour DJ, and Bruce Morris about gun safety measures in light of the tragic shooting in Bend on Sunday. Yeah, we do. It's a very good point that we have an election. It's not that far off. It's not that far at, at all. all. <laughs> um, I, I, there was a day, there was a time when I did a lot of election campaign work, and I, we would be freaking out about this time. Oh yeah, as we're approaching Labor Day. So I, I actually just did an interview with uh, a candidate for mayor of Bend yesterday, yeah. right on on the on the point, and and one of the things that we talked about, and she pointed out, 
is that cities don't have a whole lot of um, legal ability yeah. to act on gun issues. And so I know you know that. Yeah. And so what I'm wondering is, and, and we're going to get, because I know you have a, a bill you, or a, the ballot measure you really yeah. want to talk about. So maybe you don't want to do that, and then maybe we can come back to the what. Because uh, what, where I want to get is, what can groups like cities, like even maybe school districts, who don't have legal authority, what can they do anyway? Right. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Okay, good. So do you want to do that or do you want to go into the ballot measure? We can go into, let's do your thing first. Okay. Then we can do ballot measure. Okay, after. great, great. So um, because, again, I want to, I y'all, I want to uh, honor this as as Juniper show, but it also seems to be helpful for me to ask some questions. So, <laughs> and yeah, that, yeah you, you Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so there is a ballot measure. Uh, and uh, Juniper, talk to us about that. So uh, Oregon Measure 114 uh, the changes to firearm ownership and purchase requirements initiative is it's coming up, I think, November 8th of this year, I think is when it's yeah, on the ballot. Yeah, that's the election. Yeah, day. yeah, it's on the 8th. Um, it would require permits issued by local law enforcement. It would require everyone to have a permit issued by local law enforcement to purchase a firearm. And then another part of it, it would also require photo ID, fingerprints, safety training, and a criminal background check and a fee payment to apply for a permit. And it would also prohibit manufacturing, importing, and purchasing, and selling, using, or transferring ammunition magazines capable of holding more than 10 rounds and make violations a Class A misdemeanor. And I think that the biggest thing about this is that, yes, it's going to really crack down on purchasing firearms, which is what we need. And I think that this is truly something that is going to, this measure is really going to hopefully get us on the way to truly banning like assault weapons. And that's where I think personally that we need to be. And I think that as we get closer to election day, not just like knowing what this is, but also just like telling your friends about it and really truly pressing how important this is. Like we can do it on air. KPOV can talk about it. But like throughout the community, like spreading word about how important this is, is what is going to help it get passed. Because this truly is something that hasn't been up on a measure ballot recently that is so possible of being passed. Because I think that... In the past, a lot, it, you can't really go head on onto an issue like this because there's so many people who just don't agree with it. Like the whole Second Amendment thing. If you go too hard at it and you truly crack down, like I think that we should, it won't get passed. And this is a bill that isn't, it's honestly making it easier for good gun owners to keep their guns. Because when there are more people who have unlicensed guns and they're used in bad ways it makes all gun owners look bad so having this measure that truly cracks down on like people who really shouldn't have guns having guns it honestly helps people who truly believe in the second amendment and make sure that we're giving guns to good people and so can we can we sort of uh, uh break break it down just a little bit um it's this is about regulating the purchase of firearms yes okay and my first question i suppose is um some of the requirements, some of them seem really obvious, like requiring an ID and, a, yeah. and, a, and an actual good background check, <laughs> and a all fee. of those, yeah. and, a, and, and a fee, but it, a training program is required. Can you talk about why that's important? I mean, to be a good gun owner, you have to know how to use a gun, and you have to know how to... I, I haven't read a ton about the training program itself, but I would hope that it also talks about how to lock up your guns correctly, how to keep your ammunition and your guns separate, and, you know, where to keep it in a home that you have a child. And, like, because I think that being a safe gun owner doesn't just apply when you're using a gun. It applies with how you keep the gun and where it is when it's not being used. So when talking about training programs, I really do hope that it's all nine yards. They're talking about what to do while using a gun, 
how to keep a gun safe, like holding wise, how to make sure that it's not in the arms of a child because that happens a lot. So I really do hope that when they are talking about training program, it really gets into the nitty gritty of being a true, like good gun owner that's following all the rules and, you know, honestly doing what they should do safety wise. And um, I I just want to ask this question. Um, You recently got a driver's license, right? (laughs) Yeah. What did you have to go through to get a driver's license? It was a lot. Um, Well, I had to get my permit. Um, and I had to wait six months till after getting my permit to take my license test and I had to drive around, but I had to complete a certain amount of hours of driving beforehand. I had to practice driving with someone else in the car. I had to take a really long test. I had a lot of anxiety going into it and it was really hard because it's, I mean, I did end up getting a 97 on my driver's test though. So of course you did. Yeah. So (laughs) Yeah, just look over your shoulder when you're pulling out of the parking lot and then you'll get a hundred. But oh well. Yeah, I mean I think that what you're getting at is that this training program should be definitely harder than trying to get your driver's license. Uh, well just <laughs> just that it, to get a driver's license you have to go through you have to have an ID, you have to pay a fee, yeah. you have to have insurance, you have to do a training program. You have to why wait not six do months. that? Why not do that for a gun? And, and we're yeah. not it, I don't think there's a there may be a shorter waiting period. Um, but it's a short waiting period for I think just while the background check runs in this particular bill. But it, it just to me is a is a good analogy of uh, uh, something that is that is intended to be deadly. Yes, there are a lot of people die in car accidents. Um, however, fewer young people die in car accidents Definitely. than die from guns. I also think so. that uh, talking about the training program, I know that me and Brandy Steelhammer talked about this a lot in March. But I think it's called the Charleston loophole, where in certain states, if the background check isn't processed in like, I think it's like two days or something, then the person can get a firearm without the background check mm-hmm. going through. And usually when they take longer is when there's a lot more to go through, like criminal records and like people who really shouldn't have a gun. That's why their background checks take longer. So I also think that this is amazing. But like, how is the Charleston loophole going to play into this? Like. Yeah, that, that would be that would be thing. something uh, yeah. that, we, that worth look, worth really looking into, and um, and so the other aspect of this that I wanted to ask you about is the ten round magazine limit. Yeah, um, I mean, why would you need more than ten rounds? Honestly. Yeah, no, that's 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 actually you're, you're right. That's a great question. Uh, it doesn't what certainly are, doesn't affect hunting or, or target shooting or you know any of those things. And, and one of the one of the uh, illustrations I use. There, there's a guy uh, who has a show on CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to name him in case there's a problem with that, but do you remember Gabby Giffords when Gabby Giffords was shot? Or were you, yes. you were pretty young. Actually, but... I think my mom has told yeah, me about it, yeah. but I don't know if I, I yeah. probably don't actually remember it. Yeah, you, I were, was you, you really, were really, really young. Yeah, you were pretty young <laughs> then, but you know, congressperson, her husband's now running for senator of Arizona, uh, astronaut. Uh, but anyway, she was shot and quite a few other people were shot and killed Yeah, during that um, shooting. And the the gunman was tackled. Yeah. He was tackled when he went to change his clip. Because that's not that easy to do. It looks really easy and fast in the movies. But when your heart's racing and you're, you know. You're killing people. And and he was tackled during that process. But the thing is, he had a 30-round magazine. So he was able to fire off 30 shots and killed, I can't even remember how many people, but a lot. And Gabby Giffords, for some miracle, survived a gunshot to the head. And so what this person, the observation of this person on, on uh, I think it was MSNBC, said is the first 10 shots, the first 10 people shot are on the shooter. Yeah. The next 20 are in the fact that we don't have good gun laws. 100%. Right. Because if he had had a 10-round magazine, he would have been tackled after 10 rounds 
and a lot fewer people would have died. Yeah. Also, like, thinking about it, I mean, if you're killing people, unless you have, like, a true background and using uh, a weapon with more than 10 magazines on it, I mean, the first 10 are also most likely, like, almost like a warm-up in Mm. a mass shooting. Like, you're probably not going to hit a ton of people your first magazine. So limiting it to 10 will obviously really help. But I also think that, like... Why are they allowed to even have a 10 magazine one? Like, my thing, my biggest thing is, I don't think that anyone should own a gun in the sense of, like, I don't really care about hunting, and I guess that, like, home-wise, but, like, you should never have an assault rifle, and you should never need more than 10 magazines ever in your life unless you were literally committing an act of terrorism. And so, no, that's great. So, uh, and you, you've talked a little bit about an assault weapons ban. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we had one. In the United States, for, yeah. <laughs> you know, for for uh, I think ten years, uh, or maybe even a little bit more, uh, it it expired in two thousand four. And the Republican, I'm just saying because this is the fact, a Republican Congress and President did not reauthorize it. Yeah, and during know. that ten year period, mass shootings went way down, and the number of deaths from mass shootings went way down, um, and of course back up now. I guess my question is, what do you say to people who say, well, we need assault rifles for hunting or for target shooting or home protection. I think that's stupid. I don't know. I'm just kind of at a point now where like, I don't want to listen to people try and like rationalize owning a weapon of mass destruction. Also people, I think that a lot of the time when we're talking about like school shootings and like talking about assault rifle, assault rifle ban, a lot of people turn to like second amendment, but like, I don't care what was in the constitution hundreds of years ago. Um, if you truly care about America and the next generation, you should be okay with not having an AR-15 in your hands. I don't know why people bend over backwards to hold on to an AR-15 while we are having mass shootings every single day in America. Most of them are also completed with an AR-15. I don't know why as a, I mean, me rationally as a person, I would never be in a place where I'm like, oh yeah, like I want to keep my gun over saving the lives of literal children. It is really hard to think about how there's people, even maybe like my neighbors, like people that live in my community might feel that way about how they have to have their guns so bad that they will overlook the hundreds of thousands of children who have been exposed to gun violence and the literal science and statistics that mass shootings were down in the 10 years that the AR-15, the AR ban was in session and it's just like at that point you can't even argue with stupid sometimes sometimes you just have to let those people feel that way and just still ban them like not everyone is going to agree but to truly go to a better place in the sense of a safer country no one should own an ar-15 an ar like an assault rifle that is not a thought that goes to my brain where i'm like oh yeah like you need it for this i guess that makes sense like it never makes sense the second amendment was written when Assault rifles weren't even a thing. They're talking about the rifles where you have to reload them with gunpowder. Do you really think that the people back then who were writing this would look at America the day the way it is now and be like, yeah, like so Second Amendment of us? Like, it just it doesn't even process in my brain that people are so selfish that they feel the need to fight for their guns in such a heavy way while children are thinking about being in the classrooms and fighting for their lives. I'm tired of having to argue with people who don't even understand or have enough compassion in their hearts to care about children. There's no more time in my schedule for that. Uh, 
so that that was uh, very powerful, and you you refer back to when the uh, Second Amendment was passed, you know, yeah. and, and it was uh, ratified sometime in the seventeen eighty nine, I guess, when the Constitution was was first uh, ratified, and um, yeah, they were single single barrel loaded muskets, and a yeah. really really skilled rifleman might be able to get off two shots in a minute. It's someone who really knew what they were doing. Maybe 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 three if they were just really on top of it. But uh, in ideal conditions. So that's one thing. The other thing is uh, the balls traveled at such a slow speed that soldiers could actually see the disruption in the light field. Yeah. You could actually see, you couldn't see the ball, but it made a, a disruption and they created some blue light and they actually called it a blue canoe. Yeah. And um, so that, I always think that's interesting. So not only, and, and so when it hits someone, it wasn't going to blow a giant part of their body off. I mean, no. it was a large ball, but it was moving slowly. Yeah. And um, and so that that's another issue. This is just a completely different kind of weapon. I want to ask you this question before we get into like what can cities and school districts do? Uh, Juniper, how did you feel the moment you heard about the shooting in Ben? I mean, I honestly feel like, I mean, I was saying this when I was 12. I was saying it in January, like school shootings and mass shootings don't mean anything to a community until it happens to them. I know that me and my peers are really feeling it after every single school shooting that's happened this year, last year, the year prior. But I feel like the adults who choose to ignore it, I hope they really, really felt something after that shooting in Safeway. I know I did, but I've been feeling this way for years, for four years since I was 12 years old. Every single time something like that happens, I feel it. I don't know if maybe it was because they couldn't relate to Maybe they they don't have children. Maybe they don't have kids who go to school. Maybe they just don't relate to like being scared that their child won't make it home. But I know for a fact that I have felt every single time a school shooting or a mass shooting has happened, I have felt it because I truly understand that it can happen to anyone and it happened to us. As I've said in my past interviews, every single time it happens, I feel so mad and so angry, but it's so normalized in my brain and everyone else's brain that it almost feels normal. And that is true. It's not me downplaying how awful it was. It is true. There is not a day goes by there is not a mass shooting in America. It's like brushing your teeth in the morning. It happens so often. And people will continue to overlook it the next, literally in days. I don't think that this will keep getting media coverage in a few days. And people will continue to overlook it until it keeps happening, keeps getting bigger in our community. We had a very small mass shooting. It was horrifying and it's really scary. It shook everyone up. But if we keep overlooking it, the next one will be 20 times worse. The next one could have been in a school. It could have been at Mountain View High School. It will just keep getting worse and worse. And at this point, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm angry. But it's almost like maybe now that it literally happened in our community, People in this area will listen more. More people will show out to marches and protests. More people will go to like Redmond school board meetings and yell at them. Like we need more people to start getting angry because I'm tired of standing in front of a ton of people with a megaphone and just seeing the pity on their face and the guilt that they have. I'm tired of people showing out for like my march or my protest. I know that they they might truly care, but you going to one march and one protest a year does not excuse you from being a part of the problem. I think that I woke up after learning about it and I was mad because I'm tired of everyone being complicit. You're complicit when you're silent. You're complicit when you're just posting something on Instagram. We are all allowing this to happen and we are all supposed to feel guilty, but your guilt doesn't go away because you go to one thing or you post one thing. And I think that the 
I feel just like mad that I have to keep talking about this and also just that I feel like there's not going to be a lot that's done honestly I mean it's scary and I mourn everyone who has lost but I don't know if I believe in our community enough to do more than post an Instagram story about praying for Bend Mm. I hope that there is more but I don't know You're listening to 88.9 KPOV, High Desert, Community Radio. This is Youth Radio Hour, a conversation with Juniper Rook, our Youth Radio Hour DJ, and Bruce Morris about gun safety measures in light of the tragic shooting in Bend on Sunday. Um, And I'm clearly sensing a level of frustration, which is understandable. You've been doing this a long time, uh, right, 25% of your very young life in, in a certain way. So I want to ask, at the risk of, I'm not really sure what, how do you feel when when people uh, who come to your protest do the thing, say thank you for your work? Um, I feel, I don't know, I don't want this to seem like in a bratty sense, but I feel almost kind of mad because I think that I've kind of taken on this role of being a gun control activist. It's a big part of my life, but I am tired of being thanked for my work and then not being helped with my work. Like, yeah, like, thank you so much for planning this. It's like I used to accept that as like a wow, like these people truly are coming out to support. But I'm at a point now where it's like I can I can plan stuff. I know what I'm doing. I need your help. I don't want you to thank me for my work. I need your help. I need you to band together with me, band together with Moms Demand Action, Students Demand Action, every town. Donate some money if you can. A thank you is no longer enough to me. And I remember at the last one, I was the last speaker to go. And I'm going to be so honest. My speech was very, very good. I pride myself in being good in a mic. I really do enjoy being able to speak to a big group of people because they have to listen to me. But at that point, so many people had left. Mm. And there was no reaction from the crowd. I was the very last person to go. Understandable. Like, there are a lot of speakers in front of me. Like, they had gone before me. But, like... Like, it doesn't end for me. You get to go home after this. Like, yeah, thank you. But, like, I go home and I think about what is the damage? What do I have to endure on social media? Like, my work doesn't end when I clean up all the signs. Like, Mm. (laughs) you're saying thank you to me and you get to go home and you feel like, oh, like, this young girl, she's doing so much. And I told her thank you. Like, that's so amazing of me. And, like, yeah, like, you should be saying thank you. I, I agree. But... Thank you is like no longer enough because we've been saying thank you to people who plan stuff for years and it still keeps happening. And it's just like, thank you. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore when it's talking about like the work that I do. Thank you will never be enough and it will never stop mass shootings. I do appreciate the honesty of that answer. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's courageous. And, and I have to say that that's not an uncommon sentiment yeah. among longtime activists. Like we love your thank you, but it, it doesn't let you off the hook. Yeah, right. you need you still need to do the work. Burnout um, is real. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. Perfect. So uh, we were we were touching on earlier. What can um, our, our more local government entities, our city? Uh, I guess let's start with cities. Like we have Redmond, we have Bend, we have you know several cities in Central Oregon. Despite the fact that they don't have a lot of legal power over over gun issues, uh, so what can our city governments do anyway to help with this problem? I mean, I know that recently, we were just talking about this before the show, but, like, they have been offering, like, counseling at Pile Butte for people who just need it. And I know that counseling is really hard to get these days. So I think that's stuff like that. But even just before the problem happens, like, really just 
caring more. I feel like a lot, I mean, understandably, I bet the mayor and all those people have a lot on their plate. I'd hope so if they're truly going to ignore this issue this bad. But I do hope to believe that they have a lot on their plate. But I feel like giving attention to every issue is so important because, I mean, I know in Redmond at least, our mayor is just like not cutting it for me. And I'm going to be so honest. I don't like him. He knows that. But I also think that it's hard to, because I mean, for me personally, I'm a big respect person. I love my community and I feel like having that spot as mayor is a really, really big deal. And I feel like to truly do something about the issues in Bend and Redmond, you have to first like respect the power that you have. And so coming from that onto like, as I've said before, like KGGB getting denied, I feel like not enough people know about that. And I've tried to talk about it a lot. I tried to get signatures to get it passed. Can you just back up KGGB? KGGB. Okay. So KGGB here, I actually have the policy on my phone. I will grab it really fast. Um, KGGB is this policy. So very recently this year, there was a law passed that um, gun control measures and policies were sent to the schools. Like each school district got to decide what they wanted to do in the sense of like policies within the school. This was like pretty quickly after um, our first walkout in January. But so policy, so KGGB, it was, so we had JFJC that was already in progress by the time this was proposed. And it was KGGB is just a complete firearms prohibited thing. And it I'm just going to read straight off from the policy okay. list. Okay, great. Uh, no person on grounds of schools controlled by the board, including in the school building, will possess any firearms except when said firearm is possessed by a person who is not otherwise prohibited from possessing the firearm and is unloaded and locked in a motor vehicle. The exception provided in Oregon revised statutes carry licenses and does not apply to the possession of firearms on the grounds of schools controlled by the board. So pretty much what this means is that there would be no guns on campus unless it was unloaded and locked in a vehicle. So after kind of like really hardly advocating, I worked with Liz Goodrich on the school board about this too. They denied it. They denied this policy, KGGB, and pretty much just kind of like slapped us all in the face. Not everyone knows this, but like you can bring a gun on the school grounds. I know that I'm pretty sure JFJC bars open carry, but there are still guns on school campuses. Can you tell us what what does JFJC stand for? Do you know? Let me look. And and it's okay if you don't. Obviously, it's a. I have it pulled up. It's a gun safety measure. Yeah, it just says the well. The code is JFJC, but the it's called weapons in schools, and it says okay, gotcha. It's mostly about students, but KGGB was would bar everybody. So in JFJC, I'm pretty sure is active right now in the Redmond School District, but JFJC just bars students from bringing any weapons on campus, including like knives, tasers, pepper okay. spray, guns. So that's mostly for students, but they denied KGGB, which would keep civilians from bringing guns onto campus. Okay. So, like, the biggest thing is straight up just, like, passing policies that literally keep guns off of campuses. Like, it's kind of hard to, like, broadly be like, oh, well, they can, like, do more community outreach. They can talk to me about it more. Because, like, literally just have some common sense. Like, common sense, you should not be denying policies that prohibit guns from being on campus at a school. Like, quite simply, that is all I have to say because it's almost like I've been I've been telling these people for months for years and they don't listen like I feel like at this point if you don't want to listen to me then just have some common sense and maybe like don't let guns be on school campuses but that's just my two cents about what our local authorities can do because I'm kind of just like maybe some common sense use your brain Mm -hmm. and so for the ballot measure that's coming up in November 
If people want to get involved in advocating for this measure, where can they go to find information? Are there going to do you know whether there's going to be a, like a local campaign set up, those kinds of things? I honestly don't really know. I haven't had a ton of time to really advocate for this measure yet, okay. but I really am trying to figure it out. I know that I've seen some people post about it, which doesn't really do anything, but I think I'm going to try and get in contact with like Liz and just talk about like how we can really advocate for this because I know that Liz is a really big, uh, you know, gun control advocate on our school right. board. So I'm hoping to have more answers about that coming up soon. Okay. And that's something too that we can... Uh we can all actually. I'm, I'm going to put this out to all y'all. It's Measure 114 uh, coming up on the uh, November ballot, so you can Google it. Uh, I, I don't know. We did an interview with uh, one of the key uh, petition circulators oh, yeah. in uh, whenever that was in the summer, uh, earlier yeah. in the summer, uh, and and so there may be. I just don't know whether there's going to be a local campaign office, but definitely there, there there's going to be some work done on that. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up about that measure. I don't know what kind of opposition there will be, but I expect there will be some. Yeah. And I suspect there's going to be a lot of Second Amendment talk. Boo. <laughs> I look at it, Juno, but I think when you look at it, and a lot of people that we know, yeah, this makes sense. This is common sense. Yeah. What's wrong with this? Why shouldn't common you get trained? Common sense gun reform. Yeah, why shouldn't you? Right, exactly. Why shouldn't <laughs> you get trained to, to own a deadly weapon? A lot of people are opposed to it. Are going to be, I assume. And yeah, so there's definitely. going to be a fight. I guess my point is, it seems common sense and easy, but there's probably going to be a fight. Yeah, and we can't just give up when it's hard. We got to really, because I feel like, I mean, there, there's always going to be people who don't agree. Like, that's kind of constant. People don't agree right. with me saying that, like, we should stop school shootings. Like, there's people who think that I'm trying to, like, take their guns away. But I think that the biggest thing about this is that if we have a conversation about it in the sense of, like, this is honestly helping gun owners, I think that this is going to be make it so much easier because I feel like, obviously, after mass shootings, gun, over, gun owners are under fire, even the good ones. And having measures like this in act really helps us make sure that, as I said before, guns are in the hands of good people, good gun owners. I don't know why, as a good gun owner, you wouldn't want to help create more good gun owners unless there's something weird going on. So we, uh, we have a few more minutes. Uh, in the hour, if we, if we want to take the rest of it, and we can we can also stop here. That's up up to you. This mm-hmm. is you've been uh, pouring it out for a while here, and it's been amazing. I, I guess let's just ask. I'll just ask this: Is there anything else uh, you'd like uh, you'd like for folks to hear or to know or just to say? And, um, I feel like me personally, being a young person in activism, it's really hard to um, see my peers around me. Kind of, I think that. As I've become more truly into the activism stuff and, like, taking a front seat into it and planning stuff, um, as someone who's a planner, I honestly posted on my Instagram story about some, like, Venn diagram about how mass shootings happen, we forget about it, and I was literally just like, I cannot watch everyone I know post about this anymore. I cannot read Pray for Bend on people's Instagram stories anymore. So, to me, personally, this is more to like the people that are my age but like obviously the people above us and the people who are older than us aren't going to do anything so I cannot watch the Instagram posts anymore I truly cannot it is exhausting I it's really hard to come on here as much as I can and speak about this to a big group of people who are hopefully listening and 
go home and see people post an Instagram story that does nothing. And it just makes them lose the guilt that they feel for not saying anything. I would rather see not very many Instagram posts about it and more people out on the streets pushing for measures like 114 at the vigil, not posting about it. Because I don't think that we as a generation are going to do anything by posting about it on Instagram. It doesn't mean anything to me. And I can't keep watching performative activism happen every single time people are literally killed. Your Instagram post does nothing. It makes me very enraged. And I feel like that is just as complicit as people who ignore it. I don't want to see your Instagram post out of guilt anymore. So to my generation, we need to do something and posting an Instagram story is never going to be enough. And then to the people who are older than me, um, I'm just really tired. It almost feels like every single time that I come on, I talk about this. It's like I'm like almost yelling at people and it's exhausting to keep having to tell grown people to like have common sense and care when as a parent or as an adult, like you are honestly expected to help the next generation be in a place in this world where they are ready. Teachers, doctors, parents, grandparents, like your job is to push the next generation and make sure the world is in a place where we can accept it and continue to help it grow and become even better. And at this point in time, you are all failing us. We are in a place right now where every single day there's a mass shooting in America And it is no longer a time for you to tell me thank you for my work. It is no longer a time to stay silent and let it keep happening because this mass shooting at Safeway was awful, but there will be another one and it will happen if we don't do something about it and we don't take true steps towards passing more measures like 114 and banning assault rifles and coming together as a community to make sure that we're keeping our students, our parents, our people who are going to the grocery store safe. And... I can no longer do it alone in the sense of not having people who are older than me, other than people at KPOV, some people on the Redmond School Board, Redmond City Council, pushing for it like I'm pushing for it. And every day that you stay silent and you're complicit, you are allowing another mass shooting to happen. I'm I'm at a point now where it's like I'm tired of trying to have a conversation about this every single week that I'm here. Every conversation I have seems to not do anything, and it seems to just, like, mean nothing to anyone when I do it and so at this point like I'm literally just saying you need to do something other than let it keep happening because you are a complicit person if you are not pushing for more stricter gun laws you are complicit and you're letting this happen and you're letting school shootings and mass shootings happen because you don't care so I'm asking you to care and if you did care you would be out here right now talking to your friends about measure 114 You would be out there at the vigil. You would be out there telling people how important this is to you. You would be out there supporting people like me in more than just saying thank you. You would be donating money to organizations if you have the ability to. There is no more sitting around because they will keep happening and they'll keep getting worse the more that we allow them to happen. Okay, that's all. Thank you. All right. No, thank you, uh, Juniper. Uh, You're really amazing. And I just want to say for folks listening, uh, adults listening out there, um, well, everybody, but the gauntlet has been laid. You've heard that, I believe. We got to pick it up. Um, and and there's a there's a whole lot of things you can do. I mean, there's a there really is there's a wealth of specific, concrete, helpful actions. I wonder sometimes if we need like an activism 101, <laughs> right? No, you know, right? You're because right. I like for for Measure 114, there are yeah. very concrete steps people can take, and, and and they're uh, most of them are not that hard. No. Um, and so, uh, but but again, you're right. It's more than posting on Facebook. It's more than yeah. So. We'll visit that, I think, on KPOV, just sort of in general. Yeah. And maybe we do just have an activism 101 
like show. Amazing. You know, it's like here yeah. are the here are the the because they're they're the, the the cookbooks almost. And I've yeah, done it, and and, no and there's idea. multiple yeah, things. There's but there's so many multiple things you can do, and some of the steps are again not that difficult, but they're concrete, they're direct, they're designed to to create a specific result. Yeah, that's what we all need to. I think 100%. right is that what no, you're asking? That's what I'm, you're asking us for. Yeah, I'm starting a club yeah. at school for like more support for planning stuff and like I'm trying well it's not gonna be a fun club like let's be for real it's not gonna be fun I'm I have to like I was thinking about it because I was kind of just like trying to plan out this morning and I was like well I these people are gonna have to understand that like we're gonna have a press person they're the only people who talk to press unless told otherwise there's gonna be a sign person there's gonna be a social media person because like I didn't know this but like it is very important that you all have the exact same mission the exact same idea and I didn't know that before so maybe it got muddled but it's hard not knowing what to do and having like my mom and my uncle, like Aaron, like telling me what to yeah, do. Yeah. That was so helpful. But I know a lot, of pe- a lot of people don't have that. There really are steps, right? Yes. That's just my way of saying there's a lot you can do, the concrete steps. And I, I feel like, Juniper, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like that's what that's what you're wanting us to do. Yes. Right. All right. Yes. <laughs> your, your show, Juniper, you want to close it out? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Youth Radio Hour on KPOV 88.9. Bend, Oregon Community Radio. Um, I will hopefully see you next week. Thank you so much.